sexy nerds of the Nerd Imperium. Welcome to this week's episode of the Currently Nerdy Podcast. We are your inner conclave of nerd. My name is Diz, and I am your pop culture and sports nerd, Ali. I am Ali, your classic nerd. And I'm VM, your comic book nerd. All right, man. I, I'm, uh, I'm a little upset this week. All right. I had some some shit happen to me last week. and seeing You always have some shit happen to you. Yeah, that's true. But seeing how this is like my soapbox or our soapbox, I shouldn't say it's my soapbox, it's our soapbox, but mainly I use it for a soapbox. Um, I'm going to, I'm going to talk about it because I'm pretty pissed off. Uh, so last week, it was last Thursday, I went. This is the, the poor man's therapist or some shit? Basically, no, it's just me like talking to like our, our three fans so they can, um, you know, they can feel sorry for me. Um, but I, I went to go play pool with uh, like three of my, fr- or four of my friends um, at, a pool hall that I have been going to since I was like 16, 17, like it's down the street from my house, never had any issues there, you know, like, um, and I was wearing a, a shirt that said Afghanistan on it. And then it had like the Farsi word for peace in the middle. And, uh, you know, I think I didn't think anything of it. Actually I did when I was, before I went out, like I noticed I was wearing it cause I was wearing it as an undershirt for work. And then I'm like, mm, maybe I should change the shirt or like wear something over it. And I'm like, no, I've never had any issues with it before. Like, mm-hmm. I've, I've I've worn that shirt hundreds of times, and I've. Do you also ne- wear it as a provocation? Yeah, you do. I remember you saying that years ago, before when I go when I go on flights. Yeah, when you go on flights. Yeah. yeah, yeah, you know. But like, I've never like even when I've worn it on fucking airplanes and shit. Like, I've never had anyone like bring it up to me, like ask me anything about it. Like, I've gotten some looks about it, but whatever, you know. Like, I've never been like accosted for wearing it <laughs> until accosted. huh accosted it's a good word accosted is a good word oh yeah but so that's what happened so like we were playing for like half an hour 45 minutes and like i, like, I didn't think anything like we were just having a good time like i won a game and um all of a sudden this guy is just like staring at me and like i didn't notice I'm, like whatever is the older like, guy yeah he's like in his 50s right like early 50s and like I was like, oh, I was just drunk white dude. And he's kind of looking and like when I play pool, I'm looking at all the other tables because like I want to see like how everyone else is playing too. I don't know. It's just like a habit. Like I watch other people play to see mm-hmm. like if they're going to make any cool shots or anything. Um, so I thought he was just looking at our table because that's normal. People do that shit all the time. But then like five minutes later, he walks up to me and he's like, hey, man, why are you wearing that shirt in this country? Jesus and, Christ. And I'm like, what? He's like, why are you wearing that shirt in this country? Do you think it would be okay like, if I went to Afghanistan and wore a shirt with an American flag on it? He's like, <laughs> I yeah. Mean, yeah. They yeah. do. It's, yeah. Yeah. it's called being in the military. Yeah. And I was like, I was like, all right, well, one, let me, let me answer your first question. You asked why I'm wearing it. Well, you know, like, I'm, my family's from Afghanistan and I'm proud of my culture. So, just wearing a shirt that says Afghanistan on it. And then, um, yeah, that's that's why. Number two, um, yeah, people wear shirts with the American flag on it in America or in, in Afghanistan all the time. I'm like, I'm pretty sure people send their old, old Navy shirts to those kids out there and they rock them and they don't think twice about it. And I'm sure I've seen like photos of people wearing like polos with the American shirt on it and doesn't American seem to be flag. a problem. Yeah, or sorry, American flag on it. I'm like, it, it doesn't seem to be a problem. He's like, I highly doubt that. And I'm like, 
why have you been there? He's like, no, I haven't, but I've traveled the world. I'm like, okay. Like, I, I don't understand like the issue. Only for- an American can travel the world and still remain closed minded. Yeah. And I'm like, that's a unique American superpower. I say this truthfully because you – one of the reasons why you – when you engage with Europeans why they seem so open-minded is because of travel. Yeah, yeah. It's because they travel so much. Only an American would say something like that to you. I've traveled the world but then ask you why you're wearing, you know, a shirt that says Afghanistan. Ignorant ass shit right there. And like – so here's the thing, right? So he comes up to me like all hostile kind of, right? And like whatever, like – he and then he's the one who gets upset because my friends are kind of like coming around and like, yo, is everything okay? He's like, why are you guys crowding me? I'm like, dude, you came to where we were playing, and like, he had a knife on him. Like, I could clearly see that there was a knife hanging off his hip, right? And I'm like, all right, I don't want this situation to escalate and some dumb shit happen here, and like, myself or one of my friends get hurt, you know? Because that's a reality of living in this country for for. Uh, people that look like me and you know like it it happened down the street at my house some uh, an iranian kid got murdered for being iranian you know like by a white supremacist you're Um, not gonna smash a beer bottle and stab him with it or something look man i didn't have a beer bottle on me (laughs) um but i also i I didn't have anything bro (laughs) so i'm supposed to snap the pool cue in half I wasn't even. I didn't That's even what have, have done. He's a real man. I didn't even have the pool cue, bro. Like I was sitting out. I had just lost a game, so I was sitting waiting for the next game to play. You should and have thrown like, that pool chalk in his face. <laughs> blinded him. Look, <laughs> the urban warfare of pool fighting. Yeah. So, look, so I try to de-escalate the situation there, right? Because I'm like, I held him want... on a on a stool. <laughs> yeah, just I, I I went the opposite route, and I'm like, look, man, you seem like you have some questions. I don't know if you feel comfortable asking them here with my friends because you seem a little intimidated. I'm like, if you want to talk for a little bit, we could go outside, you know, on the patio and, you know, we could have a conversation. You know, I'm like, I don't, I don't want you to feel like threatened here because, and he's like, okay, that's cool. So like, we're, and we're talking and the whole time. He keeps telling me how like we're at war with Islam and I'm like, what? Like, bro, like what does that have to do with anything? And then like, I kept like, like, baiting him i kept saying like well what if i was wearing a shirt that said ireland he's like well that's okay I'm like what if i was wearing a shirt that said germany well that's okay and then i'm like okay well, what if i was wearing a shirt that said nigeria and then he's like um i don't know how i feel about that and he, but i'm not but i'm not a racist though mm-hmm. like are you fucking kidding me like you draw the line at nigeria ireland's okay italy's okay germany's okay but if i wear a shirt that says nigeria so what was the end result of this conversation the end result was like it was basically him asking me dumbass questions over and over again because he was shit faced, right? About like why I feel the need to wear a shirt that says Afghanistan in America, and like you don't don't you think that you're putting it on yourself to like open it up for conversation because you're wearing that? And I'm like, not really, no. Like you know, I've never had anyone. Bring Did it up he change his mind at the end? Of course he didn't change his fucking mind at the end. So, no. uh, so, you, so you, why did you cater to this loser? Because I didn't want, like... There's de-escalation, and then there's you going out of your way saying, hey, I don't want you to feel crowded. Like, fuck that guy. Let him feel crowded. Yeah. You can de-escalate it. Yeah. No, but then what's going to happen? U- like, ultimately, I went outside. I talked to him for, like, a little bit. And, like, he... Whatever. He didn't change his mind. I don't give a shit. He doesn't have to change his mind. He invited me to church with him, though. 
he asked me if uh, I wanted to come to church right. with him because he told trying me to colonial, trying to colonialize you. Yeah. He told me he went on missionary trips around the world, so he would love to go to. He would love for me to come to church with him, and so he could learn. I could learn. So, about, if I understand like, this correctly, he's going around the world. In other words, taking his his lily white American ass all over the place, and he saw no problem with that. Going to those places, taking his religion, evangelizing in those, but you wearing a flag of another country in America is an issue. But I wasn't wearing. I wasn't even wearing a flag. It just said whatever. Afghanistan. But yeah. the point. The point is, the issue was that your shirt said Afghanistan. Yeah, he doesn't see the contradiction there. No, that's, that's the thing with these white people, man. Like they don't think that they're wrong, and they think that it's just like okay to do all this shit, and like. Like and there's talking- a level of entitlement in that conversation entirely, but yeah, I don't know if I would have gone to the extent you would have gone to, to be honest with you. No, I, I, I would have. I mean, if, I, if diffusing is one thing, I generally wouldn't have diffused. I'm chaotic good. Let's be real. Mm-hmm. A little bit of a bar fight is entirely acceptable in my mind. Yeah, bro. Um, but, you know, great. You diffuse the situation. I think that's a good thing. But I don't think I would have gone out on the patio with the guy. Yeah. I, I don't know. My, my time I just, is precious. I just, my thing I know, Time from idiots. Yeah, my thing mm-hmm. was, like, look, I, I clearly saw a knife hanging on his side, right? And then I, I don't think my friends did, right? And I didn't want something to happen where, like, somebody got hurt because of a shirt that I was wearing. And that's a that's weird, right, that to, that I have a fear. Like, I'm not wearing a shirt that says, like, fuck white people or debt to America. I'm wearing a shirt that says Afghanistan on it, right? Like, it's not, it's not, it's not a threatening shirt, you know? Like, it's, it's... It's an, it's a fear for a lot of people who look like me, who look like you, who look like my mom, who look like our friends, who, you know, like outwardly look Muslim, that something's going to happen to them because they look like that. I was talking to my coworker about it and he told me like his mom has like a, like a call to prayer app and it went off when they were at CVS and like he got scared that something was going to happen to him and his mom while they were at CVS. And he told her like, Hey, you need to take that off your phone when you're like mm-hmm. out in public. Cause like you might get beat up for it. You know, like that shouldn't be a fear that people have. Right. And it's like, it's so easy to say like, Oh, well you shouldn't have to feel that way in this country. Well, yeah. Tell that to the fucking assholes who make us feel this way in this country. Like yeah. what's interesting is that this actually reminds me of something else is that there's a meme going. You said that you're using uh, the, podcast as, as your soapbox more accurately mm-hmm. using it as your therapy session maybe and it reminds there's this therapist that was on twitter that was talking about how her friend texted her and asked if she had the emotional space to have a conversation about blank right like hey i need to talk to you about this do you have the emotional space and time for it and she did this whole thread about how uh we should always ask for consent before we uh, unload right like hey can we let me unload this are you are you in a good place to do that and she described this entire thing as emotional labors like oh this is the emotional labor that we've got to put into and here you know sometimes we just don't have the emotional space and then she's like sometimes when you don't have it here's the form you can use in response hey i'm so glad you reached out i'm actually at capacity slash helping someone who's in crisis slash dealing with some personal stuff right now and i don't think i can hold appropriate space for you can we reconnect at a later date and then submit a later date. And this thing went viral because everyone's going, wait a minute. First of all, what a weird way to have a friendship. This yeah. is a person, this is like a robot responding to a friendship. 
two, I'm okay with the consent component of it, right? Like it's good to ask consent before you unload on people. But what I found absolutely hilarious about this is that there there is this component of commodifying even our most intimate basic human relationships that mm-hmm. people do and they don't even realize they're doing it first of all the language of emotional labor it's the wrong lit it's the wrong word for it it's has nothing to do with what she's talking about all woke people now are talking about emotional labor and have no fucking clue what they actually mean mm-hmm. but this is like you just read this shit and i'm like she really thought she had something here she really thought she is like, look, guys, this is how we're going to do relationships going forward. Form responses. <laughs> she yeah. has like blanks that you could fill in. And I'm sitting there going, this motherfucker has never actually had a friendship. Yeah, this she is literally. What, this is what saw, Pinocchio would have done. She saw like the predictive text and on like Apple's like texting <laughs> devices and went, you know, I could really do this to. Uh, <laughs> To just make to with all my friends with their emotional know, problems. She actually came up with the. I'm sorry. I just there's a part of me that goes. If you're coming up with form responses for your friends, oh I shit, you've really got mean. you've got bigger problems than emotional like, space. You're a shitty friend. Is like your problem? <laughs> I don't know, man. <laughs> Do you guys ask? Can like when you're about to tell your friend something, like, hey, I don't I don't ask if they have the emotional space. I mean, it's, it's a good thing to do, but I do ask. Hey, could I talk to you about blank? I always yeah. give them a heads up in case there's a conversation they're not willing to have or they're uncomfortable with. It's always good to preface that type of stuff, especially like if you're going to go into something particularly heavy. Right? Like yeah. if I'm going to talk about something like sexual violence, hey, can I talk to you about this thing? Like you should tell someone in advance before dumping all of that. On oh, them. yeah. It's also yeah. similarly, and even if it's not a difficult conversation, sometimes you just got to recognize that, you know, we can overload people. Yeah, relationship should be reciprocal, and there's a component of like weird, you know. Let me unload all my baggage on you. Thanks for handling it. Bye now. Yeah, no. See, I I I hit him with the, hey, do you mind if I vent for a little bit? You know, like sometimes I just need to let it out. Like I don't, you don't even need to respond. Just let me just say it. And if you Mm -hmm. want to respond, cool. If you don't, you don't have to. Like, you know, like. But I I have like everyone needs. You know what the problem is. This entire fucking generation has forgot the art of journaling. That's the no, problem. Yeah, yeah, yeah. No like one needed. Journal. No one needed this type of like form response back when they had composition books, like diaries and shit. <laughs> the, the death of the composition book. Yeah. <laughs> That's the yeah. problem, V. That's yeah. you remember those composition books? I still have one actually. It's like, they're like they're, I mean they're like twenty five cents at a CVS. Yeah, I have right? piles yeah. of them. Yeah, piles and I mean. You could fill those up really quick, but I actually, I, you know, I, I started journaling a while ago and it is actually pretty amazing what you can kind of figure out yeah. on your own if you just yes. kind of put it down on paper. Yeah. You yeah. Know? Journaling yeah. is a, I'm a big, big proponent of it. Write stuff down, people. It also helps you with language. Like if you have a difficult time articulating, just write, you'll, you'll find the words for it. I do that you with notes yeah. sometimes. With what? On my phone, you know, the notes app. Yeah. You know what though? I got to be honest. There's something different about writing. Yeah, and then it's, typing. It's, it's not the same. I think, I think it doesn't motion, have the same cathartic component. Yeah. yeah. It's like the motion of the hands. I think because you're actually physically doing something. And I think it's yeah. also, you can also feel like the, the muscles in your arms twitch when you write more. It's just, a, I think it's a weird thing where somehow that connects better than typing on a keyboard. It's also, you can underline shit like you fuck (laughs) yeah yeah or even if you want to doodle or like do whatever you know there's all sorts of that's what i do i end up doodling a lot of the time and it reminds me of a thought that i'm having while i'm doing the doodle 
So like, you know, I do shit like that every time I write stuff down too. You should have told his ass to journal too. Maybe we can find some, you know, some latent, some latent, you know. This is your solution for now on Diz. You're going to walk around every time you have to deal with stuff like this. You're going to become the like evangelist of journaling. You're going to convince all these racists to journal their feelings. Yeah. I I mean, look. Single-handedly, we're going to put racists back into the closet. Seriously. well, here's the thing, right? I, I would hope I never have to do it again, but I know that I will. And that's the shitty part. So I might actually have him do that. Like, hey, can you start journaling? Yeah, journalist, so just, and then come back to me. Just keep your composition books in your car or something, right? Just hand them out like you're, like they're business cards. Yeah, here you go, like, here, put this down. And then, you know, next thing you know, it's just, you know, the guy realized that he, he hates a whole gender, you know, he hates a whole race of people because someone said no to him to go to the prom, you know, like it's some stupid shit like that. He figured it all out. He's got yeah. the solution for you. Just start recommending journaling to everyone. Keep those composition books in the back of your car, hand them it? out to people, free therapy, man, and it's 25 fucking cents. All right. I'm going to buy like 10 of those. You're going to re- resolve a lot of people's problems in SoCal. And imagine how much you stimulate the economy by buying all those composition books that aren't been bought anymore. You know, like single-handedly responsible for keeping the uh, from keeping school supplies, who, uh, you know, the school supply industry up. And, who uh, makes those composition books? What companies? Anyone know? I don't know. It's probably someone who also does toxic waste shit, too. It's probably like someone. Procter & Gamble or something, you know, like <laughs> Secret, <laughs> secretly keeping British petroleum. I swear to God, no, it's gonna. It's always something, right? Because like you always think that these things are harmless, and then you realize it's owned by some dickbag billionaire who wants to fuck everyone over. Like it's always the case. Always. It, the case. I mean, seriously. Like, did you hear about this whole thing with the um with the new Uber? I mean, Uber has always been controversial. Yeah. But you hear about that Dara? Was it? I don't even know how to pronounce his last name. Yeah, I don't uh, know. Uh, but like uh, this happened. Shashi Kasra Shahi or something. Kasra Shahi, I think, is the last name. Maybe. You know, I'm not really sure, but like, you know, I I, I want to bring this up because it's I think it's kind of interesting. Like, yeah, I think this interview. happened like last week. Well, you know, Axios. You guys ever watch it? It's like HBO's like news. I guess it's like their news outlet, which is really it's actually really good stuff. Um, but one of the journalists, uh, Dan Primack, was um, interviewing him, and he was talking about Uber and the role it has uh, in Saudi Arabia because you know, um, you know, uh, Mohammed bin Salman has been. Uh, investing a lot in technologies, right? He's been with yeah. the the summer, you know, the su- investment summits of the Davos and the desert type yeah. stuff and everything. And, you know, given that somehow they have the ability of uh, taking one Jamal Khashoggi and making him into several bits of con- uh, Jamal Khashoggi uh, when he enters too the- soon, uh, Too soon. Is it too soon? It is too soon. I'm too sorry. Soon. I already said it though. I already said it. I'm sorry. It's like me wearing that. It's like me wearing that t-shirt at the bar. Um, That's too soon too, you asshole. Yeah, Why I'm sorry. You- what are you talking through a through a fucking mask? What was that? No, I was I put my my mic on mute and I was ripping a big smoke a cloud and then V said that so I had to respond and I didn't realize I still had smoke in my mouth. Listen, dudes, I'm really sorry about that. And in response, I'm gonna go ahead and buy you a composition notebook so you can write it down. You can journal about it. <laughs> Thank you. you can figure out what it. figure out what's going. We'll get through this together, right? But you need to write it down first. Thanks. Now, the reason why I brought this up. It's because, you know, we all know what happened with Jamal Khashoggi. The investigation basically is connected, uh, you know, uh, Mohammed bin Salman to the killing of this journal, this journalist. Right. And um, now this brings up this weird this thing now because all these these Saudi companies are actually investing in things like Uber. I mean, one of their, uh, you know, the the head of of one of their there was someone in the board of directors is actually directly connected with the uh, group that's invested directly into Uber. And they essentially asked the CEO, um, 
you know, like, how, how do you feel about this, about having someone who we know is connected with the murder of uh, an American citizen yeah. or, with you know, an American resident, you know, and he literally found the one of the worst possible responses that he possibly yeah. could. Oh. And in what is quite possibly the, the most stereotypical CEO way of saying anything, right? When you think about it, because he's, I figure every billionaire who owns a company has basically had a response like this no matter what. And essentially, he basically went that that he thinks that everyone everyone made a mistake, and then he somehow connected it with Uber making a mistake with their self driving cars. You yeah. know, wait, what? Yeah, like yeah. okay. So I'll, I'll actually give you the quote, Diz. All right. So he asked. So um. So Primac asked him about, it and he goes, "I think the government said that they made a mistake. It's a serious mistake. We made a mistake with self driving, and we stopped driving." And we're recovering from that mistake. People make mistakes. It doesn't mean that they can never be forgiven. He's talking about the killing and the dismemberment of an actual human being here compared yeah. to the fucking self-driving cars. Yeah. Yeah. But I mean, it, it does. It's un, it's revealing in very clear ways of why even after the Jamal Khashoggi thing, Davos and Desert still went on. The corporations put out public statements that they were horrified, but then still sent representatives to Saudi Arabia. Oh, like, yeah. It's really revealing that at the end of the day, money matters. That can, matters way more than any human life. Can, can I ask you something, Nelly? Because yeah. you're like the historian in the Middle East, right? So Dara uh, Khosra Shahi, Shahi is Iranian, right? So he's an Iranian-American. Isn't I didn't know like, that. I know that last name is Iranian. Yeah, well, yeah, he's uh, he's he's Iranian. He's an Iranian-American. Um, but um, don't they have issues with Iran and Saudi Arabia right now? Like Iran, Iran and, Saudi and Saudi Arabia's geopolitics is at uh, odds with one another and has been for decades. Yeah, right. Uh, probably and from nineteen seventy nine on. Yeah. But that doesn't necessarily mean all Iranian Americans have an issue with. Saudi no, Arabia. I was wondering because, like, I don't know. I saw. I've seen like that stuff in wrestling in the past. So the first WWE event they had in um in Riyadh or in Jeddah, like two years ago, they brought out like some Iranian wrestlers and they were just getting booed and like people like were throwing shit at them. Yeah, it was all bad. Yeah, well, I mean, one, there's that's Saudi nationalism for you. It's deeply mm -hmm. anti-Iran and anti-Qatar. Um, there's that's just Saudi Arabia for you, mm -hmm. but that doesn't necessarily mean there's that we're, this affects Dara in any way, shape, or form. But it, what it yeah. does mean is that um, this corporation, Uber, as mm -hmm. horrible as it is, and as revealing as this mistake is, isn't doing anything that is unusual to corporations. Yeah, mm -hmm. right? like we forget that Mark Zuckerberg, right? Close mm -hmm. friends, Jamal Khashoggi, uh, Jack Dorsey, even though we now find out that Saudi Arabia literally had employees on in Twitter spy on behalf of them. Wow. Yeah, there's, they, there were several, a couple uh, Twitter employees got caught, or one Twitter employee got caught being a spy for Saudi Arabia. Oh, oh no shit. Like, there, there's like all sorts of shady shit that happens. Mm -hmm. But at the end of the day, the only thing that matters for these corporations is investment yeah. and money. And Saudi Arabia offers that. It's a country that is investing in technology, is building this 2030 vision, that is building this uh, new technological city in the desert. Mm -hmm. 
And corporations want to get in on that. Yeah. As long as they can make money and as long as they can rub shoulders with powerful politicians and other wealthy investors, they're going to do so. Who cares? I mean, Jamal Khashoggi is a horrible uh, event. It is. And one that I think the brutality of it really stands out. Mm-hmm. But Saudi Arabia has been brutal for ages. Yeah. Yeah. That's right? true. Like, I mean, they, they behead people there. Like, let's yeah. be real. Right, they behead people there, but women just got the right to vote or the right to drive. Drive, yeah, yeah. Uh, And the women that did fight for driving rights are in jail still. Were in jail. Uh, They torture people. They kill people for witchcraft. (laughs) Like the Saudi Arabia has had like has a horrible human rights track record. The Jamal Khashoggi is just like one incident. The fact that they've always been comfortable with Saudi Arabia is the norm. That's what yeah. is, is the reality here. Um, okay. And and it's going to continue to be that way. Jamal Khashoggi is going to unfortunately become a memory. A yeah. Already we've moved past it. And that's what's tragic. But Uber is not unique in this way. Is their CEOs, they, what's unique is that they seem to have a series of moronic CEOs that reveal too much. I know. Yeah. Fucking Travis Kalanick's dumbass, too. Right. He has a whole, yeah. I mean, there's a whole thing. But it, you know what sucks is also it's all like, I know you guys don't use Uber very often. I do it no, for I, work. I canceled Uber on my... Yeah. yeah. And what sucks, too, is that it's all like, I mean, if you were to use something like Lyft, I think Lyft also has investors, yeah. Saudi Arabian investors, too, right? Like, yeah. there's a lot of these things where you just simply can't, you can't necessarily escape it. It's almost like the same way that like you may not want to buy a certain brand of something right. for whatever reason, but it's yeah. still under like the other brand that you decide to buy that you think is competition is still under the same umbrella of the mega brand yeah. that owns all yeah. of it. Right. So, yeah. you know, that's kind of that the shitty position that we're in. I'm, it's the same yeah. thing with like Amazon. Right. You know, yeah. we fucking hate Jeff Bezos, but, well, you know, we order off Amazon all the time. Yeah, right? Just yeah. the other day, there was someone who was mentioning that they would love to have some type of app developed. Where you or a website where you can order books, but it will then put the order in through local bookshops. Mm-hmm. Yeah, uh, yeah. Will ship to you. I mean, like that's that's where we should be headed. But we're not. I mean, we're in a place where I hate Amazon. Yeah. I'm pretty vocal about my distaste of Amazon um, and the way that it treats its employees, the technology it's developed for ICE, all sorts of of issues with it. And I try very much so not to do uh, two-day Amazon Prime for socks or some shit. You know what I mean? Like, I'm yeah. not one of those guys that like grocery shops on Amazon. I don't. I refuse to. But I find that as much as I try to order books directly from publishers and elsewhere, that I still use Amazon. Yeah, it's yeah. Like, there's no way around it for the work that I do. I order directly from publishers, from UC, from university presses all the time. But there's times where it's just it's not there. It's only on Amazon. Yeah, and that's it's hard to divorce from these things. Yeah, exactly. And that's what the type of place we are is. It's so entangled in our society that there isn't a way around it. You can uh-huh. try to reduce or minimize harm as much as you can, but we're at the point where if you want change, you need to dismantle the fucking system. Well, do you guys watch The Good Place at all? No, I don't. I don't. I don't. No, I've heard good things though. People keep telling me to watch it, and I need to get on it. So. I don't. I don't want to spoil too much, right? Because you know people are still watching it, and it's on Netflix and stuff now. But um, they brought up a point about how hard it is to be a good person these days. Because even when you're trying to do like good things, like like let's say like you're buying your mom flowers, right? Like whereas in the past, like you would 
just go from the garden and get a flower from your mom or, or get a flower and give it to your mom. Mm-hmm. Whereas now like you're ordering flowers for your mom, which seems like a good thing, but then because you're ordering those flowers, you're now giving money to a guy who like fucking beats his wife, you know, like, yeah. so you're still, you're enabling him to have more money, even though you're trying to do something good. Like it's, it's so much harder to be a good person now than mm-hmm. it was before because there's no, there's no checks and balances. And well, this like, is the Chick-fil-A conundrum, right? Mm-hmm. So Chick-fil-A for the longest time uh, was in tr- hot water because it was donated or contributed to uh, anti-gay legislation and L- anti-LGBTQ uh, measures. On, yeah, they were doing. They were on top of that. They were giving money to uh, like people that were doing conversion therapies and stuff. Yeah, conversion therapy, they, all sorts of things, right? And uh, there was always a, a backlash against them, but it never reached any real economic damage to them because people it's it's just so hard to avoid. People will simply continue to go there. Uh, Chick-fil-A is a major part of gay culture. Oh, yeah, yeah. The totally. number of, of LGBTQ youths and people that you'll see posting with Chick-fil-A and whatnot, even though they know what Chick-fil-A is and their economic, uh, you know, investments are in. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. And so because it's part of Southern culture as well. So there's this element, uh, we're at this place now where we're real boycotting and real uh, avoidance and real disentanglement is difficult to do. Now that said, Chick-fil-A did eventually just recently change their policy. uh, And now the right is really pissed at them. How dare you cave to the left mob? But the reality is that they didn't cave in any way, shape, or form. For years, they held out. I mean, this stuff has been going on for years. It mm-hmm. wasn't the left-wing mob that forced them to change their policy. They did that on their own. There was no real economic damage to Chick-fil-A. Nope. In other words, they didn't. the yeah. change that they did while being welcomed by some groups, in reality, this was a change that they made on their own. There yeah. was no pressure on them. There was no better? I mean, I'm not sure if it's better. I'm not sure if, what to think of it other than that, wow, did everyone get lucky here? Yeah, yeah. Chick-fil-A works out for the communities because at the end of the day, there was no incentive for Chick-fil-A to, to do this. That's true. They were constantly rated like the favorite fast food yeah. chain in America for years. Yeah. And, even, all that and even after the kind of backlashes, you'd see lines, just mm-hmm. lines outside of Chick-fil-A. Yeah, I think what what it was. Oh, sorry. Excuse me. No, no. Continue, please, please. So I think uh, interesting because like you know I I work with a lot of a lot of gay men for when I do conventions because of the company because for T Turtle. Yeah. And you know I I constantly ask them about that too, and a lot of it kind of goes, yeah, I'm not a fan of it, but I really enjoy their chicken biscuit, right? Like that's a really weird. Yeah. Yeah. Like I and it's that thing where like man, it's all like even if it if it goes completely against who you are as a person like you yeah. can't even you can't walk away from it it's just a, a weird thing the power of convenience we talked a little yeah. bit about this on our last podcast with disney plus right yeah. is just that Diz mentioned it is just the element of convenience makes it so much easier that people are willing to accept it right so this is something we see with uh large corporations and in particular in the entertainment industry the other day uh, someone mentioned how after the backlash to Sonic the Hedgehog. They did mm-hmm. all the reshoots and the redraws, and uh, now it looks 
passable, right? The new trailer yeah, that comes yeah. out. Look good. Yeah. People are like, oh, this actually looks good. He doesn't have fucking teeth. That's going to give me nightmares. Creepy so, shit. Yeah, so people are like, okay, it looks a little bit better. And then there was this tweet that went out. It was like, it cost them this mil- this much $30 million, $30 million, thanks. Uh, this many extra hours. We should better go out and make sure that uh, we watch this movie. Wait, what? Yeah. <laughs> you don't owe corporations anything. No. You don't owe big business anything. They made the decision to do that. They made the decision to spend money. Like that's that's not. But there's we're at this weird place where people, you know, there's no disentangling from this. I know plenty of people who are deep, deep critics of Disney because of Disney's real exploitative uh, practices in particular towards artists, right? Oh yeah, um, definitely. Disney is simultaneously the place where everyone wants to work and everyone hates to work because yeah. yeah, you get to be an artist and get paid for it, but you get screwed over badly as mm-hmm. an artist working at Disney, right? Yeah. And so yeah. there's a lot of people I know in the creative fields who push back on Disney, but every single one of them are signed up for Disney plus. Yeah. Sure. Every Actually, single one of them have piles of Disney movies. Interesting side story. Um, I have a friend named Alan who's a tattoo artist now, and he he grew up, or when he was younger, as before he became a tattoo artist, he actually worked for Disney as a, a um, you know, like the hand painted uh, commemorative plates. It's like they're all hand painted. He actually worked for Disney doing those, and he talked about like the sweatshop conditions, like him yeah. and the artists were in to make those mm-hmm. fucking plates. You know, like the kind of bullshit. He was literally sit there for eight nine hours a day trying to push out a quota of like Donald Duck plates and shit that they had yeah. to paint by hand. Like, yeah, I mean, you know, this, how impressive it was. And this brings us to, to uh, the kind of phenomenon that is the Mandalorian, mm. right? So the Mandalorian is, is a crowning achievement right now in terms of storytelling mm-hmm. for uh, star Wars. And there are some fantastic elements to it without a doubt. Um, but there's also some very clear corporate elements to it. Um, and I think that's that's worth discussing. So let's just start talking about Mandalorian and we'll kind of tie it all back in at the end. But one of the phenomena that has kind of captured everyone's uh, attention is Baby Yoda. First, the Mandalorian in terms of storytelling is already considered a really good series. Uh, really well done. People are loving it. Everyone's on board. Yeah. And they introduced this kind of character, Baby Yoda. No, it's called Baby Yoda. No one knows who he really is, uh, what yeah. it really is. They, they call it Baby Yoda because of the unidentified species of Yoda. No one knows yeah. what the name of the species is. This takes place long after Yoda has been dead. And yeah. so th- this isn't Yoda, or we, at least we don't think it is. But this character has really become a f- an internet phenomenon. People fucking love this adorable, cutesy character. And I think there's a variety of different things here to discuss. First, Yoda is a unique a Star Wars character. Mm. It plays onto the trope of the old wise man. That's yes. classic archetype stuff. We find this in every type of story. It goes back to Aristotelian poetics. It's part of the story, the kind of mythic narrative that we find also in uh, Joseph Campbell, the wise man. And so George Lucas was very keen on creating this type of wise man character. And there was a lot of weird kind of iterations, early iterations and concept drawings for, y- for Yoda. Uh, some of them had him looking far more like a 
gnome than the kind of goblin or look that he ended up with at the end. Uh, mm-hmm. Originally, he was a kind of gnome looking. He was kind of skinny, tall legs, sitting on, standing on a cane or leaning on a cane, even having kind of a pointy hat at one point. Uh, looked very much like a derivation of some type of garden gnome. Uh, it was even blue, I think, at one point, if I'm not mistaken. One of the early concept drawings of him oh, was smurf. blue. Yeah, a little blue-like. Um, one of them had a bearded. So there was a lot of kind of different iterations until it finally settled uh, through a kind of process of refining into the character that we've come to know. But what's interesting about Yoda as not just the sort of behind the scenes of his development, but his actual story within the Star Wars universe is that he's one of the characters that George Lucas was very keen on not expanding the backstory. So mm. George Lucas, as as everyone who's a Star Wars fan knows, that dis, just, not just writing the original trilogy, created a shit ton of background and lore and directions that he wanted to take Star Wars. Uh, some of them uh, he had to be scrapped and then were reintroduced in the original trilogies. So there's this kind of element of him revisiting old uh, languages. For example, the lightsaber being called a laser sword. We oh, actually wow. heard, for example, that was originally George Lucas's intention to call the lightsaber a laser sword, and it got scrapped for lightsaber. But in the original, but in the new trilogies, little Anakin will call it. I see you. You have a laser sword. Only Jedi's have that. That's a that's literally him hearkening back to a lot of the, his older concepts, and so he was always keen on building or expanding Obi Wan's character, Darth Vader even Emperor Palpatine. But the one character he was very keen on not expanding is Yoda. Hmm. Everyone in Star Wars has a planet. A planet of bankers, a planet of scientists, a planet of farmers. Everyone has a planet. Everyone has a species. Everyone has a story. So-and-so is a Hmong. So-and-so is, you know, a Twi'lek. And so-and-so is, etc. Except for Yoda. And he was yeah, always yeah. very cautious about it. People would ask him, what species is it? He wouldn't answer. He would say he's kind of a, 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 a strange force. He shows up and he goes away and that's it. And in the, uh, new, in the uh, new trilogies, the prequels, we see that as well. We see Yoda's role as Jedi Master and we certainly see a lot of cool scenes with Yoda. But nothing about Yoda's background is expanded on. We still don't know where he's from. We still don't know uh, what his background is. We don't know his species. We don't know anything about him. Yeah, but yeah. Mandalorian has now introduced this young baby character. So the question is, is Disney opening up that avenue now? Is it now going to go to a place that George Lucas never went himself? I mean, I'm not going to lie. I kind of hope so. Cause like Yoda was like, he's when, when you show a picture of Yoda to people that like, between him and Darth Vader, they're the two most iconic people from Star Wars. Yeah. Right. Like, uh, more so than the Skywalkers, you know, like, but like people, they, they probably fucking will call him Yoga and Dark Vader instead of Darth Vader and Yoda, but like, they know who they are, you know, like, they're the most recognizable people in that series. And I think that's like exploring the backstory between Yoda, uh, his race or his species would be cool. Like, I would like to get to know because I was that like when I was watching The Mandalorian, first off, it's been an amazing series, right? It's only two episodes in, and I don't want to like overhype it because like 
you know, like I, I just watched a Joker the other day and everyone was like hyping how great of a movie that was. And I watched it and I was like, yeah, it's okay. But like, and everyone kept hyping the Mandalorian and I'm like, all right, let me watch this because everyone keeps talking about it. So I watched it and I'm not as big as a Star Wars fan as, as you and VR, right? Yeah. But I had a great time watching it. Like I'm excited for the next episode to come out. Like it's, it's been, I, I, I can't remember the last time I've been this excited for like Star Wars stuff. Yeah. Like I'm more excited to finish the Mandalorian than I am for the new Star Wars movie to come out, oh, yeah. which is weird to oh, say. Me too. Yeah. Yeah. Me too. But like, you know, like critics love this, the show, right? Like it's, yeah. it's ranked 9.1 out of 10 stars on IMDb. Yeah. People have been saying like, finally something that we haven't gotten in the past, like six Star Wars movies. Like it feels fresh. Yeah, people, it feels people true. mentioned that it, out besides rogue one, this is the thing that has rekindled interest in Star Wars. Yeah. The same way that Rogue One did that, right? Like after Rogue One, we're like, this is the Star Wars movie we've been waiting for. Um, and it revived everyone's interest in it after the kind of mixed reviews of The Force Awakens. Mm-hmm. We find the same thing that after Last Jedi, the mixed reviews of Last Jedi, that Mandalorian has done the same thing. It's kind of rekindled yeah. everyone, refreshed everyone's interest. Yeah. Like I'm more excited now to watch the, the new Star Wars movie because of The Mandalorian. Than I was yeah. before watching The Mandalorian. Like Pedro Pascal's done a great job. Nick Nolte's done a great job. You know, like, yeah. I was surprised he's in it, but he's in it. I have yeah, spoken. Yeah. He reminds yeah. me of you. What that, that that guy reminds me of you for some reason. That's really it, mean. Well, no, it's not mean. It's because I could see you like ending conversations with "I have spoken." Yeah. Well, his name is uh, Kuil or whatever it is. Is an un- uh, an Ugnot? Yeah, is what they're called. A moisture farmer. Yeah. But that's a, you know I actually I don't know but see the thing I'm I'm just kind of wondering about and it's interesting because people are talking about this as being this kind of fresh you know take on Star Wars and I don't disagree with it but you know at the same time I'm like Elite you can talk to this a little bit more because you kind of understand marketing and everything behind Hollywood movies like how is this any di- they literally took Groot from Guardians of the Galaxy Gar- Gar- you know Groot was a full grown adult. You know, had that kind of that old yeah. kind of wise quality to him in the first Guardians, and then all of a sudden he became Baby Groot, and he became marketable in the second one. You know, and then you know all of a sudden the Groot merchandise became he became cute, and then yeah. the merchandise no, began no, to no, kind we'll, of come I'll up. Def- like, I'll, I'll definitely go into that. I definitely, we'll discuss that in just a second uh, because I I think that's uh, that's absolutely true. But it's also not denying that the the storytelling element of of Mandalorian has done quite well. Yeah, well, because yeah. even before Baby Yoda, there's he's captured. I mean, someone mentioned this, like he hasn't said a lot, but he's literally captured people's imagination. That is uh, the, the actual Mandalorian himself. Yeah, like um, I don't know what's going on with him, but like I'm intrigued. Like I can't, I want to. Yeah. I don't know enough about him, but like I like him. Like I can't help but root he for him. He has a mysterious quality that we used to see in older movies more so than yeah. kind of now. Well, this is. Very much kind of that old Western, maybe yeah. like Tombstone style. And you can even tell, like, I the first thing that kind of struck me was that, like, I knew it was Star Wars, but it didn't feel like Star Wars because of the, and I didn't, and it was the soundtrack that yeah. was just different, right? Like, it didn't have that grand, that kind of that grand orchestra quality to it. It was a little bit yeah. more kind of, you know, a little bit more, I guess, utilitarian, yeah. right? There's a much, very much more kind of a, it's weird because it doesn't have that, you know, whereas the Star Wars movies kind of involve this, like, you know, fate of the galaxy type quality to it. This is like, the, you know, this mm-hmm. is the the misadventures of a single gunslinger, right? Mm-hmm. And so it's a completely different, um, even like the, the mood is different. I enjoy it a lot, 
right? And uh, the one thing that I had to get past when I first, I literally just watched watched both episodes before we uh, started recording. Mm. And the one thing I had to get past was this isn't, this is going to be more about like this, the side adventures of a single character. You know, it's going to be, it's going to, things are going to change from episode to episode. It's not, not necessarily going to be this huge overarching storyline that has, you know, has to do with the fate of the galaxy anymore. Right? It's about a guy who has a bunch of adventures, you know, who has, you know, who's um, trying to, you know, trying to make money. He's not, he's not going through, uh, you know, he's not going through that hero's journey the same way that Skywalker did. Right. right so, right. you know, that in and of itself is interesting. And if you ever want to like look at a character and the first, the second that I first, or the second that I watched it, the first thing I thought about was this comic book called Saga by yeah. Brian K. Vaughn. Uh, which everyone should check out because it, it has a very similar kind of a, you know, space adventure swashbuckling quality to it. But uh, there's a character called the will who is a bounty hunter in that story who travels around with a cat. Who's a lie detector. Who's able to, t- who's able to detect whether or not people are lying, but he also finds like a child that he's supposed to kill that he ends up saving because he, you know, you find out that this bounty hunter has this weird sense of justice and this weird mm-hmm. sense of compassion. Right. So, you know, there's nothing, I haven't found anything novel. There's nothing like overly clever about what they're doing so far. So, yeah. you know, from what I've seen, but this really plays on those, the heartstrings are like those, it's playing on a formula that works. And yeah. I think that's what people were really impressed with. Well, I've, I've mentioned this is that you don't need to be good. Storytelling doesn't have to be create overly creative. Yeah, yeah. You can you can return to kind of tropes that people are familiar with. Now, if you want to be subversive and take things in different directions, you could. You could absolutely do so, right? Uh, but I think you run into the Game of Thrones problem sometimes. You, tr- you try so hard to be subversive, they're unable to kind of put the story back together. Yeah, yeah. So there, there's that element to it. And sometimes the best stories are the ones that remain relatively simple, um, and it's because they resonate. Take the Harry Potter series. The Harry Potter series is not that good of a series. I know I'm going to end up getting shot. Um, <laughs> I, I, look, I like it just as much as everyone else does. I grew up with it. But the reality is it's not a clever story. It's nothing yeah, particularly yeah. clever. But what she does is she does a good job of making it relatable for people. She takes the kind of chosen one story, big, bad, evil, you know, evil wizard. All of that is just straight up fantasy. And yeah, she just absolutely. she knows how to brand it or rebrand it well, and I think this is happening with Mandalorian is that it's not a clever tale, but it's a tale that's well done. And while there are these very clear, well done components to it, uh, and part of this is is the nature of Star Wars itself, which lends itself to side characters. We, the George Lucas saw the potential of this from the original trilogy. I mean, the original fascination with Boba Fett, the original Mandalorian, if you will, yeah, uh, yeah. Mandalorian armor. Um, the original fascination with him came from the fact that he literally said nothing. He said yeah. one, he had one line, and then yeah. he went, ah into the sarlacc, right? <laughs> That's <laughs> it. That's it. But yeah. people were fucking obsessed with him. You're so badass, so cool, right? We saw the same thing with the Jedi. There's really what two Jedi? They don't do much. I mean, the yeah. first, the first one, we like literally. There's two Jedi tricks. Right, a Jedi mind trick, and then like Obi Wan Kenobi does this one thing where he makes a sound and it distracts the stormtroopers. Yeah, kind of it. And yet people were obsessed. The Jedi became this thing, and then the and Star Wars lends itself very well to that. It allows you to expand the universe, and so the Mandalorian on one end picks that up, but the other component is that there's an undeniable corporate interest here. Yeah, absolutely. The Mandalorian is about selling merchandise. 
of all the characters that they pick, they pick the Mandalorian, who they know they can market and sell. There's going to be his face on t-shirts. There are going to be action figures of him. People are going to dress up as him for cosplay and conventions. There, That's a, a very conscious component of this. It's very Absolutely. deliberately geared towards somebody. Uh, and that's the fan audience. And so, too, is the Yoda character, the baby Yoda. Oh, yeah. Don't get me wrong, fucking adorable, right? Like, on another mm-hmm. level of it. I'd die for that little thing. Though there are some <laughs> weird components to it. It's like, somehow it's 50 years old, but it's only one years old. And yeah, yeah. It quite makes sense, because the math doesn't add up. If Yoda died at 900, if, then that means he died at, like, what, 20 or 18 or something like that? Yeah, it yeah. It doesn't add up. So, like, they've got to figure that stuff out. Um, but it's also a marketing ploy. You know you're going to have Yoda plushies and Yoda dolls and Yoda pillows and those things that just sold up the wazoo. Yeah, what I yeah. call the cutification factor or the kawaii factor is something that Disney has always desperately wanted to do. They are obsessed with the fact that Japan built this phenomenal culture around Hello Kitty. Mm-hmm. The, the marketability of cutesy characters that is, you, you find both in Hello Kitty and in anime, right? Yeah, yeah, you make definitely. a cutesy character that is kawaii and that then you can sell. And Disney has been trying to do that for ages and not just Disney, but we see it throughout these kind of uh, series that are geared towards fans. The Minions did this, right? The Minions were everywhere. Why is Minions uh, soccer mom culture? Right? Yeah. Why did right? Minions became two people love Minions, kids and soccer moms. There's always some soccer mom on Facebook putting up a Minion quote and thinking, or a Minion meme and thinking it's the funniest thing in the world. They're <laughs> so cute, right? Because it were Guardians of the Galaxy. You take Groot and you make him a kid. Yeah, right. You make him a cutie. But even the way they made Groot is they softened his features as a baby. They gave him fingers, right? They gave him a little kind of bigger eyes. It was very deliberately to make him as adorable as possible. That Groot had looked nothing like the baby Groot at the end of the first Guardians of the Galaxy. If you look at the two, they're very different. One is meant to look as cute and adorable as as possible. And this is something that Disney's been trying to do. And Baby Yoda is there. So, yeah, the story is great. And it's a phenomenal, interesting uh, addition to Star Wars. But there's the cynic in me goes, man, how much of this is shaped by we just want to sell shit. Yeah. But I think we talked about this before where we were talking about cartoons that we liked. Right. And about how it's like the cartoons – like their 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 survival is based solely on the sale of toys of yeah. them, right? Like, and yeah. you know, I guess this isn't really any different from you know from from what you're from what you're mentioning in this situation. And uh, you know, it's crazy because it's like I already, I mean, Mandalorian's been out for what like a week now. It's on its yeah. second episode, and already like the um the baby Yoda memes, oh, yeah. you know, Everywhere. already out in force already. You know, like it didn't it literally just. And I think they, I mean, they had to have known, no, right? I mean, yeah. You talk about jiffable moments, right? With yeah. uh, with you know certain shows, and I'm like, there's yeah. like points where you're like, wow, yeah, there's no, literally no. points where they probably would, yeah, this is something that people are going to turn into something. Yeah, well, I mean, there's no accident that like the day after it aired, uh, Favreau then released uh, the concept art for Baby Yoda. Yeah, right? and yeah. it became obsessed with how cute the concept art was. I mean, this this it's not an accident. 
you know, and this isn't just being jaded and cynical, but there is a there's an element that we need to ask ourselves. It's how much of our storytelling now is shaped by the fact that people want to sell something to us. Does that mean that uh, all, these are all bad stories and we should hate them? No. Enjoy Mandalorian. It's great, right? Yeah, love yeah. Baby Yoda. I love Baby Yoda. I think it's he's fucking adorable. But I think it does. There is an opportunity here to raise that question, right? Merchandise first, right? Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah, second. Yeah. And 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 that for me, I'm, I don't know. That's a weird. They've always they've always been like that, though, bro. Didn't they have the fucking Ewoks? Like yeah, because there's of that? nothing unique about this. Don't make no mistake. This is a mm-hmm. this has been a Hollywood thing from the fifties, right? Yeah. Oh, there's nothing new about the the desire to sell merchandise or cutesy factors. Not at all. The pork, right? People when people were talking about the uh, porgs in in uh, Last Jedi. Yeah. All, all everyone's oh, it's too cute for Star Wars. I'm like, motherfucker, Ewoks. Or like, yeah. do you forget? Yeah. The, do you forget the Jawas? Or like, Seriously, yeah. Or like R two, R two, right? Yeah. Exactly. Yeah, there's nothing unique about this in Star Wars. Star Wars universe has always had it, and there's nothing unique about what Disney's doing uh, in regards. Hollywood's done that. Uh-huh. Hollywood knows that when it's going to market towards kids, they need to have that cute element. Right, that that yeah. factor that they can then sell to the kids. So there's nothing new about this, right? The question, however, is is how much are we now aware of it? How cynical should we be, or should we just accept it happily? Be like, you know what? This is escapism. Let's enjoy the escapism for what it is, right? An opportunity Absolutely. to escape. Yeah. I'm yeah, about can- the latter life in life. Yeah, you know, I mean, you can't, you know, yeah, I think that's a lot of for us is like the realization it's all like sometimes you just have to let it be what it is, right? I mean, you know, I, 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 I enjoy it. And I think, you know, there's a lot of it. There's a lot that it has to offer in terms of, you know, storytelling, right? It's bringing back some stuff that I think a lot of us have missed in our, in the Star Wars universe. So, mm-hmm. you know, I, I think it's one of those things. And I'm sure you, you kind of agree too. It's like, this is one of those things where you just kind of let it go and let it be what it is. I think there's well, a lot, no, worse, I, I, a lot I, I more things you got to deal with, you know, like yeah, I enjoy escapism, but I don't think yeah. uh, for, I, do, I come from the, ex, to the extent that, that I say, Oh, let it be. I don't think so. I think there's, there's room for critique and I think there's room for uh, awareness there. Uh, escapism is, is only healthy so long as it's, uh, doesn't keep you from you know action if it produces inaction and produces and manufactures consent uh then that's a problem and and i see that i see that in my family i see that in my circle of friends a lot people like to talk the language of wokeness but no one wants to live the act of it Uh, everyone wants to talk about how they called out a racist or how they you know did this or or, or how they're a feminist ally but at the end of the day they only do so when convenient right that's true it's like when the stakes are low yeah Yeah. when the stakes are low they're not living the anti-racist life they're not dismantling white supremacy in their daily lives they're not challenging the status quo at their jobs you know like Let's be real. So this is why I'm like, yeah, escapism is fine. I like escapism as much as the next person. I'm a, I love fantasy. Fantasy is nothing more than pure escapism, right? Yeah, yeah. But yeah. I think that that while you escape, there should always be a part of your brain that remains cognizant of it, that remains critical of it, that remains aware of it. Uh, and that's that's the Socratic philosophy at its heart. The unexamined life is not worth living. So there mm. should be. Let's escape. 
but let's also hold the critique. You can do both at the same time. They don't need to be uh, contradictory. You can say, oh, this is a really fun TV series. I'm never going to let this TV series, however, placate me or pacify me. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. Mm -hmm. I have a question. This has nothing to do with anything, but like, did did, did the voice of the fish guy in the beginning put you guys off for a second? Did it seem weird that he like spoke like a regular dude? Kind of. It kind of it, my brother pointed it out to me. And I'm like, going, dude, that, that was really awkward. Like, it was kind of a weird thing when the fish dude talked. Yeah, yeah I wasn't. Yeah, I wasn't expecting. I mean, to there's like, always the risk with voice. You know, any type yeah. of voice acting is sometimes that what you choose for the voice doesn't always match what people expect. You see that a lot. There's like, uh, there's always yeah. one character that you're just like, mm, not sure about that. Yeah, I think that was like Horatio Sands or someone too. That was like. Yeah, it was. And it was like Brian Posehn was the guy who was riding in the speeder who got yeah, that's, yeah. The, that's the other thing about this. Series. Yeah. Good God, did they draw in. Oh, everybody. yeah. It's like Game of Thrones where it's like Ed Sheeran will show up randomly and shit, you know? Like, Please, God, no. Please, yeah. God, no. <laughs> no. <laughs> We're going to end it there before Ed Sheeran enters into this nightmare. Yeah, everyone get out of here before Ed Sheeran shows up. <laughs> abort, abort. <laughs> it's a trap. <laughs> I love me some Ed Sheeran, you fucking Admiral haters. Akbar, this thing. It's a trap. Yeah. All right. Let's end this podcast here. We had an interesting conversation Uh uh, really kind of breaking down the the weird news of the, of the week, if you will. Uh, we discussed uh, Uber and corporate interests, and then that led us into Mandalorian and the discussion about escapism versus uh, cynic uh, corporate interests. Uh, let us know what your thoughts are. Is there a way to navigate this kind of tension? Or is it like, hey, fuck it, just enjoy things for what they are. Uh, let people have their fun. What are your thoughts? Uh, get in touch with us. Uh, and you can get a hold of us through social media. Diz will let you know how. Yes, you can find us on Facebook, facebook.com slash currently nerdy. Twitter at currently nerdy. Instagram at currently nerdy. Tumblr, currently nerdy.tumblr.com. Uh, we're on YouTube, youtube.com slash currently nerdy. And then Google Play, Stitcher, and the iTunes podcast app. It's under currently nerdy, obviously, because you're probably listening to us on there. Um, you're a smart person for listening to us. Now make your friends smart. You're not a true friend unless you expose currently nerdy to your friends. So make your friends listen to us. And then if you're already listening and you're already subscribed, great. Give us a five-star rating and a review on iTunes so it helps the algorithm. If you want to get a hold of us individually, you can. V, how can they get a hold of you? Find me on Twitter and Instagram at VTran214. It's V-Y. T-R-A-N-214 on my blog, thesandwichslayer.com. Ali? You can catch me on Instagram and Twitter at A-A-O-L-O-M-I. Just released another thread uh, on the gin, so go check that out. Um, you can also find me on our sister podcast, Head on History, or on my website, alialomi.com, where you can keep up with all sorts of updates from me. Diz? You can find me everywhere at Dizbulla, D-I-Z-B-U-L-L-A-H, and also on our brother podcast, Currently Nerdy Sports. Uh, it's uh, soundcloud.com slash currently nerdy. Go on there, get some fantasy football advice. Listen to us talk about Miles Garrett hitting Mason Rudolph over the head with his helmet. It was a riveting conversation. I mean, it sounds like the whole conversation, actually. <laughs> <laughs> for everyone here at Currently Nerdy, thank you for tuning in. And remember, stay smart, sexy nerd. All hail the Currently Nerdy Empire. <laughs>